This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Well, the Milwaukee Bucks were the first team in the NBA to make it to 50 wins this year, all right? Kind of exceeding some expectations. In fact, right now, as we're gathered here for worship, they still have the best record in the NBA, and the playoffs are looming. If, if they don't win it all, or at least go really far in the playoffs this year, there's going to be a number of us who are going to be pretty disappointed with them because now our our expectations are high. This coming week, the Major League Baseball season is going to start. And for a lot of us here, not everyone, I understand that, for a lot of us here, we're Milwaukee Brewer fans, all right? And last year, they exceeded expectations. They won their division. They had the, the best record in the National League. But now this year, we have those high expectations of them. In fact, if they don't go far in the playoffs, in fact, if they don't win it all, a lot of us are going to be really disappointed with them. High expectations. Let's be honest, okay? Let's be real. We all have high expectations of ourselves. Who of us here, for example, who of us here when we were sophomores in high school said to ourselves as we were sitting in class, I can't wait to get out into the real world and go out and collect my first welfare check, right? Yeah, we didn't do that. We had high expectations. We wanted to set the world on fire, right? And so... We began a process then of trying to find our identity, our value, and our worth based on what we do. What school did I get into? What degree do I have? What kind of home do I have? What kind of job do I have? What kind of car do I have? Do I have a family? If I want a family, you know, we began to base our worth and our value on our nationality, our ethnicity, because that's what's going on, right? And, and how's that all work is, is we're in this thing called comparisons, right? And that's how well we determine whether we're doing okay or not because we compare ourselves to others. And it actually began when we were really young, right? For a lot of us who were guys, when, when we were little boys, we told our friend, my daddy can beat up your daddy. Huh? Comparison. Right? And maybe for some of the, the little girls that were here, we told our, our, our friend, I like my dress more than your dress. My dress is prettier, right? And that's kind of gone on and through all the different things, right? When it was time to choose sides, did, did I get picked early? Did I get picked in the middle? Did I get picked at the end? And a lot of that stuff played out in front of everybody for everybody to see, right? But now that we're older... Uh, this whole comparison thing often just goes on in our hearts and our minds, and, and nobody really sees it, but it's still there, right? So how many Facebook friends do you have, right? You can see that little number, and you can go to someone else's profile and see how many friends they have too, right? 
with Instagram, how many followers, Twitter, how many followers do we have? And when we post something on, on Facebook, how many likes did we get? How many comments? How many shares? And on Instagram, how many hearts did we get? Right? Just kind of check that out. We get this, you know, surge of dopamine when we see we got these hearts. Oh, that's good, you know? And then if a post doesn't do as well as we would like it to do or as we thought it would do, oh, I could have done better. I, I should have done better. I messed up, right? And we nag on ourselves. And we just won't give ourselves a break. And for some of us, what we do is we allow other people to join in the nagging on us as well. And I want you to know that your performance plus someone else's opinion is Satan's Disney World, okay? It's his amusement park. He loves that. Right? Have you ever noticed too with this whole nagging thing that it really doesn't make a difference? Really doesn't make a difference at all. Legalism and perfectionism is living under the law. Okay? And living under the law is brutal. It's, it's like being a prisoner who has guards watching over you 24-7, and whenever you mess up or wherever you even think you mess up, these guards come and they assault you, they brutalize you, they beat the snot out of you, right? And we live under the law, right? How well am I doing? Am I doing better than? And we just keep getting pummeled. We, we keep trying to find peace living under the law, but we never find peace living under the law because that's not the purpose of the law at all. The law convicts, it controls, it administers justice and judgment. Okay, And you know this, don't you? And so someone like you named Mallory goes to bed at night, puts her head in the pillow and cries herself to sleep every night because she sees herself as a failure. And for Scott, he doesn't cry himself to sleep, but he takes medicine for his anxiety and his blood pressure. Because he's just trying to keep that roar, that roar of I'm inadequate, that roar of I'm not measuring up, I'm not adding up to a minimum. So the question I have for you right now is, what does God think about you? What does God think about you? See Likely, there are a lot of us here this morning that, that know about this biblical teaching, this teaching of God, of God's unconditional love, a love without stipulations and regulations, okay? Unconditional love and conditional love are binary. You can't have both. It's either one or the other, 
And again, a lot of us know and have heard about this unconditional love teaching, but that's not how we're living our lives. We've heard that God loves us unconditionally, but we're living our life like this, like God loves me if. God loves me if I worship. God loves me if I give an offering. God loves me if I read my Bible. God loves me if I pray. God loves me if I share my faith. God loves me if I don't lust. God loves me if I save myself for marriage. God loves me if I'm committed. God loves me if I do the hard work. God loves me if I'm responsible. God loves me if I do the right things. God loves me if as long as I don't do anything really bad, as long as I stay away from the big sins. God loves me if is how so many of us are living our lives. We long for God's unconditional love, but we're trying to earn it. Doesn't make any sense at all, right? And so we pummel ourselves, we beat up ourselves mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, trying to show God that, that we want that love, that, that we want to earn that unconditional love. Love. And you know why we do that? It's because we place our feelings, our way of life onto God. And we try to make him like us. God created us in his image and we fell into sin. And now we try to make God like us. And we love so very often, not unconditionally, but conditionally. Right? We have a best friend, and that person's our best friend, unless they talk behind our back. Oh, my. They talk behind our back, silent treatment for like a really long time, okay? And, and, and maybe, maybe we'll just get really mad, too, and we'll go off and talk behind their back, and maybe it'll even just sever that friendship once and for all. We live our lives so often Conditionally, with conditional love. We say, you know, I love that person. As long as they act the way I want them to act, as long as they think the way I want them to think, as long as they do what I want them to do, as long as they say the things that I like, then I love them. And if they don't, then I don't. And we put all those things onto God, right? And so if we're not doing what God wants us to do, if we're not acting the way God wants us to act, we're thinking that God doesn't love us. We're living under the law. It's kind of like being in one of those tough mutter races, right? Where there's all these obstacles you got to go through, except those obstacles never end. We're always in this race and we never can get to the finish. And there's always one big obstacle after another. So I ask you again now, what does God think of you? See, too, 
we have this saying, I don't know where it comes from, but, but there's something wrong with this saying, all right? Because it shows some conditionality in that. This saying is, is, I love you, but I don't like you right now. You heard that one before? I love you, but I don't like you. And then we try to place that on God. Well, I want you to know, this is what God is thinking of you. In Romans chapter 8, it says, God is for us. God's on your side. He's not tolerating us. He's not putting up with us. He is for us. He says to you, to you, I love you. I've been trying to tell you that. I've been telling you this all along, but you've been so busy trying to earn my love, trying to prove yourself worthy of my love that you haven't heard me as I speak to you and tell you I love you. God doesn't condone sin, but he doesn't withhold his love because we sin. That'd be conditional love, right? Zephaniah 3, 17 says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. So while we're busy out there trying to bust our backs to try and earn and prove God's love, God is singing love songs to us. God is God has this amazing concert with one love song and one love ballad after another that he's singing over you and me. This past week, I, I ran across these lyrics from a, a song that, that talks about while we're waiting on God, how doubts can come into our minds while we're waiting for him. And it says this, so in the questioning, don't ever doubt his love. Because it's only in his love that you will find a breakthrough. Okay? And here's the breakthrough. And it's really cool. In God's word, it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Friends, he, he loves you. He saves you, but not by your works. He loves you and he saves you, but not by your works. So what I want you to do is tell someone who's sitting close to you, look at them and say, he loves you. Go ahead. He loves you. Tell them he saves you. Now tell them, not by your works. (laughs) All right? Unconditional love is the most awesome thing of all, right? Jesus says in John chapter 15, he says to you and me, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. Let's think about it in real life, right? A friend is not a servant. A servant is accepted by what he or she does and how well they do it. A friend, that's different. 
The word here has this connotation of a friend of being a really close friend, that you're in the inner circle, that you're in the royal court with Jesus. Okay, And even more than that, the, the picture is of a wedding and Jesus is the groom and you're the best man. You're standing right there beside Jesus because that's where he wants you because he loves you. I want you to know it gets even better than that. Listen to this from 1 John chapter 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Again, a servant is accepted by what they do or don't do. A child is accepted by who they are. A servant is accepted by performance. The child is accepted by position. Don't look at your performance. Look at your position, your God-given position. Don't try and earn your worth, but instead receive the love, the radical love that God has for you that calls you his child. You see, Christianity has never been and will never be about your righteousness. But Christianity has been and will always be about the righteousness of Christ that God gives to you. God has high expectations. And God has met, and Jesus has met all those expectations for you. And, and so when God looks at you and sees, you know what? He goes, I'm impressed. You're awesome. But let's be real now, okay? We've been living under the law, haven't we? We've been trying to prove ourselves. We've been trying to get peace by what we do or by what we don't do. But check it out, right? You know in your own heart, there's no peace from that. There's always something else. God brings you peace and wants you to have peace. Peace, P, perceive that you're not perfect. Perceive you're not perfect. First John one says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Perceive you're not perfect. Okay? I'm not okay. You're not okay. But because of God's grace, it's going to be okay. E, enjoy. Enjoy the truth that you're God's child. He's adopted you into his family. The A, act in trust, not in terror. Just because God loves you unconditionally, just because God has saved you, doesn't mean that he wants you just to sit on the sidelines. It doesn't mean that he doesn't want you to do anything at all. 
No, he has high expectations. He has works prepared for us. Ephesians 2 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The word handiwork, right? It's also translated workmanship or masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. You're his handiwork. The Greek word there is the the same word that we get in English for our word poem. You're God's beautiful poem. There's an amazing rhythm in your life as Christ lives in you and with you and expresses himself through you. See, control. You're not in control. God would never do that to you. It's too big of a hassle. It's too much to ask. It's impossible for you and me. So he wouldn't put us in control. God's in control. And so he says to us, cast all your anxiety on me because I care for you. The final E is exchange. God has exchanged our imperfection for Jesus' perfection. It's through that cross where that exchange was made, right? Our sins onto Jesus, Jesus' righteousness onto us. The scripture says he saved us not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. One of the reformers said, when I look at myself, I can't see how I could be saved. When I look at Jesus, I can't see how I could ever be lost. Friends, the law will tear you to pieces. The gospel brings you peace. And this is why that's important. Because if we're trying to get our identity, our belonging, and our purpose, our value based on on what we do, we're just setting ourselves up for stress and insecurity. And if failure's not already present, it's right there and it will happen. But if our identity, our belonging, our purpose, our value is found in God, then right now and forever, we'll have peace inner peace, and eternal peace. I began our our time together in this teaching time with with a prayer and, and talked about chains. Those chains are the law. And we carry them around and and drag them around with us and they get in the way. Friends, Jesus has set you free. Don't walk around with the chains. As you leave today, remember God's for you. God likes you. God loves you. Let's pray. Lord, as as we read in the reading from Galatians and we were going through all those words and we were thinking, boy, that's ridiculous that they would try to add stipulations onto your unconditional love and And we start thinking about ourselves and and what we so often do. 
Thank you, Jesus, for truly setting us free. Holy Spirit, come into our lives in such a way that, that we live in that peace and that freedom that Jesus and the good news of the gospel brings to us. Help us to have that inner and eternal peace today and forever. May your name be glorified for what you've done for us and who you are. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.